In John 14, in verse 1, he says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Go ahead and turn there. It says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Something that I love about Jesus is that he knows what difficult times can do to our hearts. Amen? He knows what storms, what kind of chaos they can bring to our heart, to our soul, to our inner man. And it's what he says, um, do not be troubled. That word means to cause someone inner commotion. It means that they are, their calmness of mind is gone. It actually means uh, to disturb one's equanimity. I learned a new word this week, equanimity. Everybody say equanimity. It's kind of fun to say once you're driving down the road, you just start saying it. You feel smarter, you look better. Equanimity. That word equanimity, it, it, talk, it's, it has to do with your, um, your composure, with your calmness, with your peace. And uh, when he says, do not let your heart be troubled, it's like he's saying, do not lose your equanimity. But Jesus told his disciples, don't let that happen. Did you notice that? Do not let your heart be troubled. Don't let that happen. Now, why would he tell us not to let that happen unless he gave us the ability to not let that happen? Well, the deal is, is he didn't give us the ability, but he gave us the one who has the ability. Amen? He says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Two weeks ago, I taught on God the Father. He said, believe also in me. Last week, if you were here, you got to hear uh, Nick share on um, God the Son, God the Savior. But then he goes on in verse 16, look down there, and he brings someone else into the conversation. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. Now, in case you didn't know, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. But a key to understanding the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to look at that word that comes right before helper. And it's the word another. Has anybody ever noticed that word? Like, how many times have I read this and not had the word another necessarily stand out to me? We even quote it and say, and I will send you another helper. And we don't realize that the word another is right there before helper. The point is, is that we had a paraclete. That's the Greek word for that, parakletos. We have one who comes alongside. Sometimes it's, in your Bible, it may be translated advocate or counselor or a, um, a comforter. It's the word parakletos, paraclete. We've had a paraclete. Jesus was the first helper in all the ways that he's come alongside of us and has been our advocate and our counselor. They're, they're too numerous to even try to count. But Jesus told his disciples, I'm actually only going to be with you a little while. You read that a lot. I'm only going to be with you guys a little while. Everything you're saying, I'm only going to be here for a little while. And that's why he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. And the translation of that word forever in here really is forever. I will be with you forever. He says, that is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. And there's so many people that did not accept the truth that Jesus was the Messiah. He says, but you know him but he, because he abides with you. Jesus, the helper, And then he says, and very soon we'll be in you. And he's looking ahead to Holy Spirit, another helper that was to come. See, it's important to understand that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is a continuation of the ministry 
of Jesus Christ. And you can write that down. You can start writing some stuff down. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is a continuation of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Everything that Jesus was to his disciples, everything that he was for his disciples continues through the Holy Spirit. A great example of that is the time that Jesus and his disciples were caught in that bad storm. You guys know the story? They're being tossed to and fro in that boat, and the disciples had clearly lost their equanimity, right? Their calmness, their composure. And all the while, Jesus is resting in the boat, literally taking a nap in in the boat. And just about the time that the disciples thought that they were going to sink in that boat in the middle of that storm, Jesus gets up and he says, peace, be still. And we know the story. It says that the wind ceased. I did that right when I lifted my hand. (laughs) Hallelujah. No. We know the story, though. It says that the wind ceased. Maybe we should try that here. No, we need the rain. Come on, bring it. And it says that there was a great calm. By the way, this is the same terminology that Jesus would use when he rebuked and silenced demons. I don't know if you ever thought about that. This was just as much a spiritual battle going on in that boat as it was a battle against the wind and the waves. And a lot of times, the difficulties that we're going through are just as much a spiritual battle as they are the actual deal that we're going through. And this makes sense in this situation considering that it says when they came to the other side of the sea, they encountered a man who had 6,000 demons in him. Remember, what's your name? Jesus asked the demon-possessed man your name. And these, this plethora of voices came out of him saying legion. Legion was a Roman word or uh, the Roman description of a, of a group of about 6,000 soldiers. So scholars believe that this guy had about 6,000 demons in him. Of course, we know the story. Jesus cast those demons out and he sent them into the pigs. A lot of pigs went over the cliff and drowned in the sea. Listen to me. God has called us to live the life of Jesus Christ. And he's also called us to go out and to help others lead the life of Jesus Christ. And because of that, crazy stuff will happen in our lives. We're going to experience difficulties. We're going to experience trials, troubles. We're going to experience all kinds of sorrows. But, remember what we said. Jesus is still bringing his peace to his disciples through his Holy Spirit. Amen? And he's still bringing his protection to his disciples through the Spirit. And he's still bringing his courage and his joy to his disciples through his Holy Spirit. And he says, but how do you not let, uh, he says, do not let your heart be troubled. Don't let it happen. And so my question tonight is, is how do you not let your heart be troubled? How do you not let your heart be troubled? Some of you may be asking that because you're going through trouble. Your heart is troubled. Your equanimity is all off, man. And you've been asking, God, what do I do? And there's, there's all kinds of answers, all kinds of directions, and all, things that, all kinds of things that we could say. But I'm going to give you three things, and it starts with abiding. How do you keep your heart from being troubled? It starts with abiding. Look over just, like, just to the right in your Bible. In, in verse 15, or chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And then go down in verse 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, 
He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, believe it or not, this is a great passage to teach on the Trinity. I mean, if you've ever seen the Trinity in this passage, um, two are very obvious. God the Father is the vine dresser, right? We see that. He's the one that envisioned a vineyard, and so he started sowing. John 3, 16, right? God so loved the world that he gave. He started planting. He started sowing. And then you can pretty easily see the Son. He is the vine, the true vine, the vine. In fact, he's the seed that went into the ground that became the, the living vine. Right? God so loved the world that he gave what? He gave his son. Well, what did he do to his son? How did he give his son? He killed his son and put him in the ground. He didn't stay in the ground. He came up. Scripture says he became the first fruits of all creation. And our salvation is the fruit of what he did. Amen? Jesus said of himself, he said, I tell you the truth, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains but a single seed. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And he was prophesying about himself, about what was about to happen. So you can see God the Father, you can see God the Son, you can even see God's children, us. He says, we are the branches, we're the branches that are connected to the vine. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. And so we can even see that. We are the branches, but where's the Holy Spirit? I'm, I'm, I'm literally asking, where's the Holy Spirit? Look at this, take some time, and somebody tell me how you see the Holy Spirit. If we're teaching on the Trinity in this, how can you see the Holy Spirit in this? Look, look in it, John 15. When someone thinks they have it, and there's actually two or three different ways, raise your hand and just tell me. Christy. Yeah, that's, the, that's one way. He says, he, says um, he who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Well, the fruit that we bear is the fruit of the Galatians 5.22, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love. Say it with me. Joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. So that's one way that we see the Holy Spirit right there. What's another way? Joy, which is the fruit of the Spirit. Let me show you another way. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you're apart from me, you can do nothing. It's the same idea as God when he spoke to Zechariah, when Zerubbabel was about to te- rebuild the temple or finish building the temple, rather. Remember we talked about that a few weeks ago. He said, this time it's not going to be my, by might. It's not going to be by power, but by the Spirit, by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And so right there, when he says, apart from me, you can do nothing, that's like a, that's like a not a foreshadowing, but a back, I don't know, what backmasking? No, it wouldn't be backmasking. Whatever that is. To the same thing he spoke to Zechariah. Not by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. But there's a picture of the Holy Spirit that takes a little bit more imagination to get the illustration. And it comes from the illustration. Let me ask you this. How does the life of the vine transfer to the branches? Think about that. How does the life... He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Then he says, apart from me you can do nothing. Well then, how does the life of the vine transfer to the branches? Somebody tell me, I'm asking, not rhetorically. Yeah, the sap, my wife, she's, did you read my notes? Okay, that's okay, she's smart as a whip. Think about it though, the sap. The sap is what brings the nourishment of the vine 
to the branches. And when it gets the nourishment from the vine, then what does it happens? It produces fruit. Something you may not know is that during the spring seasons, like with grapevines, is that the sap is actually more water than it is sap. Certain times of the year, that sap that's coming out, that is oozing and flowing through, is actually more water than it is sap, which makes sense because grapes are like 80% water, right? I mean, you, and it just explodes, water. You know, I eat grapes sometimes when I'm thirsty, right? You guys with me? The sap is the life of the vine and its branches. The Holy Spirit is the sap that flows from the vine to the branch. Again, it's a little deeper, but Jesus gives that illustration for a reason. And the Holy Spirit's all over it. You don't have to turn to John 7, but when you read John 7, it says on the last and greatest day of one of the festivals that they were at, so there's a lot of people there, Jesus stands up and with a loud voice, he says, let anyone who is, can you imagine? He's like yelling, people are like, whoa, somebody's birthday? (laughs) Are they going to bring out a brownie? You know, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And then in verse 39 it says, by this he meant the Spirit. You cut off the flow of the sap to the branch, and what's going to happen to the branch? It's slowly going to wither and die. Jesus talked about that kind of stuff all the time. It's the same thing with Jesus. It's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. Everything that Jesus is and does flows out of himself, the vine, to us, the branches, Through the Holy Spirit, which is the sap, the living water. Amen? All we have to do is abide. Now, the question is, is, well, how do you abide? Because it gets, at some point it has to get practical, right? How do you abide then? Well, it starts with just responding in faith to God's gracious invitation to be connected to the vine. Respond in faith. Believe. God has given us the grace, the ability to believe. He's planted those seeds deep in our hearts. Everybody has a measure of faith. Respond in faith to his grace and believe. Remember what he said, whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within them. There's a place in, um, in Romans 11, you don't have to turn there now, but you can reference it and go there later. But it talks about how our decision to follow Christ grafts us into his great salvation. God grafts us in to his salvation. And it goes on and says, now we share in the nourishing sap of the olive root. And that scripture is using olive root as an example. But did you hear that? The nourishing sap. When we believe, we become partakers. We're grafted in and there's this flow that starts happening from the vine to the branches. And that flow is by way of the Holy Spirit. So the first step in abiding is put your faith in Christ. Amen? The word abiding itself, though, means it means to remain. It means to continue. It means to stay. It means to endure. It means to wait. It means to tarry. These are all words that Jesus in his teaching used all the time to describe the responsibility that we have in living the life that he's called us to live. You guys realize that, right? All the time. You couldn't tarry for one hour. I asked you to pray. I told you. I mean, he's, he's wait. Um, this, that, all the time. When, when he said for the Holy Spirit, he said, wait for the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't, go, don't go do stuff on your own. Wait for the gift that my Father has promised. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit. He used these words all the time. 
In John, in 1 John chapter 2, John was talking to the believers and he said, As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. That's kind of Yoda-esque. But he's saying, what you heard from the beginning, talking about the truth of God's word, the gospel. He said, let that abide in you. Let that be in you. And he says, if what you heard from the beginning, again, the truth, the truth of his word, the gospel, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. Really? Let me say that again. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, remains in you, tarries, perseveres, waits, continues, stays, then you're abiding in the Son and in the Father. Another way of saying it is the way that we abide is predominantly by obeying. Just a couple of verses before, he says, The one who says, I have come to know him, but doesn't keep his commandments, he's a liar. And the truth isn't any. And I'm not the one saying it. John said it. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not have his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. So the way that we abide is predominantly by obeying. What are some ways that Scripture says the Holy Spirit helps us? If he's another helper and if he continues the work of, the, um, of Christ, what are a few ways, think about a few ways that the Holy Spirit helps us. John 16 says that he convicts us. So he brings conviction to our hearts when we sin. And in another place in John 16, it says that he brings revelation. He reveals to us the heart and will of the Father. Another place in John 16, John 16 was on it. That day when he was writing, he was on it, man. He says that he teaches us. So he brings us instruction. Another way is in Romans 8, but you also see it in Acts 20 when it talks about how he guides us. And we sang that this morning, part of that bridge lyric of that song, that he guides us. He, he, he directs us. He gives us direction. There's another place in Acts 20 that says that he warns us of danger. He brings admonition. He tells us when something's not going to be right, when something's not going to be good for us. In another place in Romans 8, he talks about how he assures us of who we are in Christ, which I don't know about you, but that's something that I almost need daily. The assurance of who I am in Christ, that persuasion that the choice I made was the right choice and it, it was a secure choice. Amen? Those are just, this is just to name a few of the things, the ways that he helps us. But listen, you can see that a lot of what flows from Jesus through the Holy Spirit to us is communicative. In other words, it's Jesus communicating through the Holy Spirit to us what he wants us to know or what he wants us to do or what he wants us to say or where he wants us to go or all that. And most of the time, these things that he communicates to us demands a response. Do I take his way of escape whenever I'm tempted? It's almost always clear. It's never that, we didn't, that he didn't provide a way of escape. It's usually that we didn't obey, that we ignored. Am I right or am I wrong on that one? Do I repent when he convicts my heart after falling into sin? Man, I didn't even realize I did that, but I, I fell into sin there. And, but the Holy Spirit's going to be faithful to convict us. That's His job, to make us and keep us right with the Lord, because that was the work of, He's continuing the work of Jesus. Do I go in the direction that He leads me, whether He's led me through His Word, or He's led me through uh, the wisdom of counsel of people around me, or do I go my own way? Do I listen when He warns me of danger, 
when something's happening, and we probably all have stories of how there was that little voice that said, don't do it, don't go there. Or do we just resist and reap the repercussions? My finger is an example of that. <laughs> Last week, I'd been pushing boards through that table saw all day long, me and Dusty Jakobik. I mean, I bet I pushed three or 400 boards through that saw. And right about 3.30, that was the time that I had kind of set in my mind, that's the latest I will stay. So at about 3.25, I said, Dusty, I'm going to have to leave here in a few minutes. He said, that's cool. So we finished up that door board, but there was this whole pile of boards. And if you know me, you know I don't like to keep things unfinished. And I was like, dude, we can knock that out in like 10 minutes. We just go a little faster. I literally turned the saw off. And I was going to change the measurement because it was a different cut. And somewhere between turning that saw off and extending my tape measure across the deal to measure from the fence to the saw. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, I, I want to say you'd be proud of your pastor because not one four-letter word came out of my mouth. A couple three-letter words did, though. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, I didn't cuss not even once. I was pretty proud. But listen, in that moment, I had said in my heart, I, I knew that I was supposed to get out of here no later than 3.30 because I need to get home, help Melissa with Emma Kate and the boys get to church, hear Nick speak. But my pride, my perfectionism, my whatever you call it, you know, almost got my finger chopped off, you guys. You guys ever had those kind of moments? That's the Holy Spirit saying, dude, 3.30, I'm telling you, man, I'm just giving you some admonition, some warning. If you don't, you're going to lose your equanimity. You know what I mean? <laughs> the Holy Spirit is always at work in the small things. And a lot of times we miss him because we think the Holy Spirit's doing his own thing. You got God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and people even wig out. They think the Holy Spirit just does his own thing. Nobody ever knows what he's going to do. He's doing supernatural stuff. He's doing, you know. It's like, listen, and that's true. The Holy Spirit is the one. That's taking care of that good, cool, supernatural, big stuff that we see. But listen, his first priority in our life is to ensure that we are living a life worthy of the calling. I want you to write this down. When we begin to abide and obey, we will see the Holy Spirit abound. That's the third thing. Abiding, obeying, and abounding. Let me say it again. When we begin to abide... We're connected to that vine. The Holy Spirit's flowing. The Word's flowing. His voice is flowing. The instruction, the conviction, the direction, the persuasion, the admonition is flowing to our life. When we begin to obey, what happens is that the Holy Spirit begins to abound. That word abound basically just means overflowing. How many times in Scripture do we see Holy Spirit overflowing? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Spirit overflowing. Right? Well, that happens when we connect ourselves to the vine. And when that sap, that living water is flowing to us who are the branches. But it's not just the flow, it's the obeying, the flow that's coming. And it's in the small things. Sometimes we're not obeying because all we're doing is looking for the big stuff. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us in the little stuff. And if we'll listen, we might have, you know, six, seven, eight less stitches, etc. When we begin to abide and obey, we will see the Holy Spirit abound. In 2 Corinthians, Paul's writing this letter to the Corinthians. And the Corinthians, man, they just consistently just would veer from the path. But 
He's telling them. He's encouraging them. He said, God is able to make all grace abound to you. Now, you've heard this definition of grace before. Everything that God has and made available to us, given to us, is grace. Everything he is, everything he is, has made available to us. He's saying, and God is able to make all things that he makes available to us in a way that is overflowing and abounding. He says, so that always having all sufficiency, in other words, you will always have plenty of grace, plenty of power, plenty of ability in everything. He said, you may have an abundance for every good deed. When our lives are overflowing with the Holy Spirit of God, troubled, it's like the last thing that's on our heart. You hear what I'm saying? Because there's so much of him, so much of his peace. It's hard for me to be troubled whenever I'm full of and overflowing with peace. It's hard for let the troubled situation get me down whenever I'm so full of the Spirit that I'm abounding with joy. You hear what I'm saying? And this applies not to just troubled times. This applies to every day life abiding and obeying and letting the Holy Spirit abound. And even when we go out, he says, for every good deed, every time we serve, every time we minister, every time we witness, every time we encourage someone in the name of Jesus, there's this overflowing things that happens that it wasn't by my might, it wasn't by my power, but by his spirit, says the Lord of hosts, that something happens that we didn't even think was, we weren't even trying to make that happen. Amen. God wants to do something in us, you guys. I'm hearing it all over, stirring in the body, through our life group leaders, people in life groups, uh, through mission stuff. God, there's just this, this, there's something happening. It's like this sap that's rising, this water that's, that's coming. I don't necessarily have all the answers. I know what all is going to happen, but I know that God's going to move through his branches. Amen? And you think about branches, branches are like little hands, you know, that reach out. That's what we are. We're hands and feet, and I have a feeling that God's going to do something mighty, not just through Soma Church, but through all the churches in Tyler. God's up to something. Not just Tyler and America, not just America, but the world. Amen? Where do we fit in that picture? We've got to ask ourselves that. But we can't dare ask ourselves that without being willing to abide and obey. Because it doesn't matter what you do, there ain't going to be no abounding if there's no abiding. Amen. Let's stand.